Welcome to PA Centered, a podcast designed to help listeners be a part of the solution to end sexual harassment, abuse, and assault. Each episode, we will take on a topic or current event to help spark conversation and break down barriers to building communities free from sexual violence. I'm Jackie Strom. I use she and her pronouns, and I am the Prevention and Resource Coordinator at the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. I'll be your host today as we're joined by Sarah Doggart from the Women's Resource Center to learn more about a project they did looking at the state of dating violence policies in public schools in their service area. Sarah Doggart, who uses she and her pronouns, is the Education Manager at the Women's Resource Center, which serves Lackawanna and Susquehanna counties. Sarah oversees both school-based and healthcare-based prevention programs. She has worked in the field of intimate partner violence since 2001. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Jackie. Thanks so much for having me. I am really excited for you to be here today because I think the report that you wrote will be so helpful to other schools and local programs who really want to critically assess their own dating violence policies because I just think it's a fantastic way to incorporate community level prevention work alongside some of the educational programs that folks may already be doing. So let's dive right in. Uh, Sarah, can you tell us how this project got started? It's a little bit of a right place, right time situation. Um, To let folks know who we are, the Women's Resource Center is a dual sexual assault and domestic violence agency serving, like you said, Lackawanna and Susquehanna counties, and we're in Northeast Pennsylvania. We offer a range of free and confidential services to adults and child victims and survivors, their friends and family, and the larger community. To give you a sense of where we are, Lackawanna County is a mix of urban, suburban, and rural areas, and Susquehanna County is rural. And between about 18 to 20% of our population of both counties is under 18 years of age. So like many centers, a few years ago, we started to shift our focus from awareness to true prevention programs to stop dating and sexual violence before it starts. And thanks to trainings from PCAR, we use the CDC's four-level social ecological model to better understand and prevent violence. So as probably many of the listeners know, those levels include individual relationship, community, and society levels to address the factors that protect people from or put them at risk for experiencing or perpetrating violence. So addressing school district policies kind of falls under some of these larger community and societal levels and enhances our prevention work across the other levels like counseling and support at the individual level and healthy relationship programs for youth at the relationship level, trainings for school professionals on creating trauma-informed classrooms at the community level. So back to the right place, right time, we had been thinking about this project for a while about looking at school dating violence policies for about a year or two. And then PCADV, the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence, announced a funding opportunity for prevention work. And it seemed like a good fit for this idea we had to round out our prevention efforts. Almost all of the work on the report would take place during the pandemic, which was in a way good timing since it involved quite a bit of research and writing, which lended itself well to remote work. The report was not meant to constitute legal advice and shouldn't be 
relied on as that, um, but really it was meant to take a deeper dive into school policies on dating violence and be a starting place for future work. So before we could think about how or if we could work with districts on creating or evaluating their policies, we had to get a handle on the state of where things are at right now in the two counties. We have 16 public school districts across our two counties that we serve. And using online research, we looked into if they had written dating violence policies, and if so, what those policies were. We found that 13 of the 16 had written dating violence policies, and truthfully, 13 was more than we had anticipated. 11 of the districts used the same exact policy. Um, some of them had a short paragraph on Title IX within that as well, and then the remaining two districts had more in-depth policies. We knew where to start with this research because PCAR and PCADV helped direct us to some research and information. Um, so things like the Pennsylvania Department of Education and some national organizations like Futures Without Violence and Break the Cycle. Those two resources in particular have excellent, done excellent work on school policies and I highly recommend people check out their reports and they have some recorded webinars as well. People in our field recognize those organizations as experts in the work, but school districts may or may not be familiar with them. I would imagine not, um, but we know that districts are familiar with the Pennsylvania Department of Education. And so we focus there thinking that their model dating violence policy would be best received by our districts. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, and all of the resources that you're mentioning today, we'll make sure that we link in the episode description so that folks can access them. And speaking of that, um, starting on page 13 of the report, you outline why it is important for school districts to have these policies. So can you give us an overview of what you found in your research and why this is so important? Yeah, as most listeners of this podcast probably know, uh, dating violence is a pattern of behaviors perpetrated by someone in a relationship in order to gain power and control over their partner. So this can include physical, sexual, emotional, verbal, technological, and even economic abuse at the, for teens. Over time, violence usually increases in severity and frequency, and this has tremendous impact on everyone, the survivor, their families, significant others, and their community. And for many youth, um, school is really a big part of their community. Um, dating violence can affect anyone, regardless of gender, identity, race, sexual orientation, etc. About one in three adolescents in the U.S. is a victim of physical, sexual, emotional, or verbal abuse from a dating partner. And that's a number that far exceeds rates of other types of youth violence. And we know that teen dating violence is a major public health problem in our society. So consequences include things like depression, anxiety, self-harm eating disorders, risk of future violence, suicidal thoughts, changes in academic performance, and the list goes on. Um, many teens don't tell anyone about their experiences. People who abuse are skilled at using power and control over their victims, and that can make leaving a situation or telling someone about the situation, seeking help, difficult and even dangerous for teens. So why is this the school's concern? Well, I mean, many reasons really, but to start, um, think about how much of their day youth spend in school buildings and on school grounds, a really big portion of it. Relationship violence is linked to school health and safety issues. So teen victims and survivors of violence report higher rates of truancy, more negative contact with their teachers and increased conflict with other students. In addition to all the other factors we mentioned before. So 
Despite this relationship though, school resources are often focused on other important safety considerations such as substance use and bullying. But given the prevalence and impact of dating violence, schools can't afford to just ignore it or react to it. And that's where policies can come in. Dating violence policies are often found at the high school level and most often focus on discipline or intervention responses. But the research we did and through our experience, um, we know that more effective school policies on dating violence address not just responses to instances, but also encourage healthy relationships and promote violence prevention. So in other words, response, intervention, and prevention are all happening at the same time. Most districts have existing misconduct policies like bullying, sexual harassment, non-discrimination, and some types of dating violence may fall under one of those, but a specific dating violence policy enhances those other existing policies to more fully address the continuum of abuse in students' lives and to keep the abuse from escalating. Can I talk a little bit about the Pennsylvania Department of Ed model dating violence policy here? I would love to hear, yeah, all about that. Okay. Awesome. So the Pennsylvania Department of Ed model dating violence policy has seven recommended elements. And those are purpose and authority, definitions, delegation of responsibility, guidelines, notice of policy, training for staff and students, and referencing relevant law. So including all seven of those elements um, provides a comprehensive dating violence policy. So for purpose and authority, what does that mean? That's basically why is the district adopting this policy? It identifies the rights and responsibilities of students and the school, such as the person's conduct and locations, relationships that are covered by the policy. Definitions is just key terms in the policy. At the very least, dating violence should be defined. Um, but the more definitions that are included, the clearer the policy will be to all involved and it'll ensure that everyone's on the same page. The delegation of responsibility just refers to the appointed individual or team responsible for responding to reports, supporting students and maintaining confidentiality. Guidelines is kind of the bulk of the policy and that lays out the reporting and response procedures. So things like documentation, a grievance process, confidentiality, accommodations and protection from abuse orders. The more detailed this is, the more empowered students will be to make the best decisions for themselves and to be able to grow and heal beyond that. This is also a section where taking into account the dynamics of abuse as well as youth development um, is incredibly important. Notice of policy is just how is the policy communicated and to whom. So policies of any kind are most useful when students and staff know about, understand and follow the policy, right? Um, training for staff and students. This is a key element to understanding and preventing dating violence as well as responding to disclosures. It empowers students and staff to take the next appropriate steps. And then finally, the last element they recommend is referencing relevant law. And there's numerous state and federal requirements that exist that outline the scope and type of policies related to abuse. Ensuring that school district policies include these seven recommended elements will lead to more student engagement, better learning opportunities, and a safer work environment for employees of the school. Most importantly, they indicate to the school community that healthy relationships are the norm and abusive ones are just simply not tolerated. That is such an important piece to all of this work is really trying to change those 
social and cultural norms. And so I totally can understand the value of having a policy that really does enforce that and back up all of the other kinds of training and things that, you know, they're implementing in their school community. Right. Great. So of the various individuals that you were able to interview during this project, I know you were able to speak directly to three school principals. So I'm curious if you could tell us, like, what was it like working with the local schools and what were some of the key findings? When we launched the project, we did let all of our school districts know what we were doing by a letter and a follow-up email, and that included an overview of the project and a request for short interviews. And we, because of the grant that we received, we were able to offer them a small stipend for their time. So we developed specific interview questions, things like if they were aware of their district's dating violence policy, how often policies were updated, if they utilized the policy, and if they didn't have a policy, if they had any insights into why that was. We were able to only speak, like you said, to three principals, all of whom had dating violence policies. And that may have been due to the pandemic and the multiple demands placed on school administrators at this time, which we totally understand. We have a really good relationship with many of our districts in our service area. Um, even though that's not required by their policy. <laughs> and we hope to be able to follow up with them in the near future. One of the things that stood out when we talked to the principals was that even though most districts that had a written dating violence policy stated that it was available in their student handbook, it actually wasn't there. And one principal pointed me to their Title IX policy when I mentioned that to him which was in their handbook. And Title IX may apply in some instances of dating violence, but not all. And this school district, like I said, actually did have a dating violence policy. From this interaction, I, I thought of two things. The first was that I wondered if school administrators and staff ever had training on their policies. It's not enough that it's just written in, in the books, but did they know that they had it and did they know how to implement it? And the second thing was that um, a student who's a victim or survivor may not have as much faith in a policy if a basic thing like posting it where you say you will is not followed. Um, if the district isn't following through on that, then why would students have faith in other elements like confidentiality or parental notification accommodations would be upheld? It's a really simple way to start to establish that trust. Yeah, and going back to um, the Department of Education, that whole piece around like where people can actually find the policy. Um, it feels so important to make sure that people know where to find it, they can access it, they can ask questions about it. So yeah, I'm glad that you were able to like highlight that as such an important like recommendation for folks moving forward. Absolutely, you know, students and parents have to take on a lot of work themselves when they're trying to get the help and support that they need and deserve. So for instance, um, for most schools with their dating violence policy, if they had one, it wasn't found easily on their school website um, or like I said, in their handbook. Um, a colleague of mine who sits on her school board um, told me about a website called Board Docs where you can find all the policies in your district. And there's an enormous amount of policies for each district, looking at everything from building maintenance to terroristic threats. So it would be difficult, difficult to list them all on the website or have them all in a handbook. But at the very least, like you said, letting folks know where to find the policies would be helpful and take some of the stress off of victims and survivors who are dealing with so much as it is, especially when there's safety concerns at play. 
And just so folks know, um, in the Board of Education policies, dating violence policies are listed in a section called pupils, and they're listed as number 252. So if you ever wanted to go to find them yourself, you could try that on Board Docs. You know, through the interviews that we did with school principals and prevention experts at PCAR and PCADV, we heard of some common challenges for developing or implementing a dating violence policy. So some of those things were like a lack of awareness of dating violence and its impact or a lack of prioritizing that. Um, competing community interests and funding needs and the time commitment that's required by districts to really develop a comprehensive policy and to implement it and review it and evaluate it. And that sometimes there's a mentality that this doesn't happen here. You know, we, we it's enough for us to just check off that we have this policy because we're probably not going to use it. But we do know that this happens everywhere. Right. There are challenges for sure to developing comprehensive policies um, that shouldn't stop districts from developing or enhancing the one that they have. Yeah, and it's great that there's already a model policy um, <laughs> and your report, you know, makes it easier for folks to understand what they need to include. So kind of building off of some of the things that you already spoke about, could you share some of the lessons learned that you all discovered throughout this process? We talked before briefly about the seven key elements of a model policy. And for the districts that we um, looked at, they did mention all seven elements um, in their existing policy. But what was missing was a level of detail, especially concerning training for students and staff, as well as the guidelines. Um, and by a level of detail, I mean explicitly addressing issues that might deter someone from reporting. So explicitly addressing things like confidentiality or notifying parents and guardians um, or things that might address safety like PFAs, uh, protection from abuse orders, confidentiality, and also giving some detail to things that might empower students, help them make the decisions that are best for their safety and well-being like survivor-led accommodations. The training for students and staff comes in here too with a level of detail because students may not always disclose to the appointed person in the policy. Um, they're more likely to disclose to someone that they know and trust. Um, so maybe that's their art teacher or a coach or a school nurse. So it's important for all staff to know exactly what the next step is so that they can feel empowered to respond per the policy. I don't want, uh, you know, we don't want anyone on the school staff to be scared to receive a disclosure from a student or to feel panicked when they do. We want them to feel really confident, empowered to take a next step. On a practical level, another lesson that we learned was that comparing all these policies to a model policy required a lot of organization of materials and data. I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah. So we developed um, something that we call the district scorecard, district scorecard as a way of tracking each policy and how consistent it was with the recommendations of the Pennsylvania Department of Ed model policy. So some of the seven elements that we talked about were really straightforward. Like, for instance, did they reference relevant law? I mean, yes or no, they referenced it. They were either fully consistent with that or not. Um, but for some, like we mentioned with guidelines, there's so much within that element. Um, you know, maybe they address discipline, but they didn't address confidentiality or they addressed it, but not in a lot of detail. So we broke down each element in the policy down almost by sentence, so into sections. So this resulted in 33 sections, and that's in the appendix of the report um, itself. 
So with that district scorecard, we used a rating scale from zero to three with zero meaning they weren't not they were not yet consistent and three being they were fully consistent and we based that scale off of a PCAR tool that was used um, in the workplace sexual harassment training that they do and we base that off a rating scale they use to look at policies across our two counties for the 13 school districts that had policies the average rating that we came up with at the end was 1.09 out of three which is partially consistent um, with the Pennsylvania Department of Ed model policy recommendations. And when we looked at all 16 school districts, including the three without policies, the average score was 0.89, which is not yet consistent. So while there's some promising, some promising data there, there's a lot of work that could be done. Sure. We also used, yeah, we also used a standard point scale of 100% because most school districts are familiar with 100% being a perfect score. Most of us are. Um, so each section of the recommended policy was worth up to three points, um, which using the scale we mentioned before. And since there were 33 sections, when we broke it down, that gave us 99 possible points. And then we tacked on an additional one point for districts who had a policy. So that gave us 100. Um, out of the 13 school districts with existing dating violence policy, policies, the average score was 36%. And of all the 16 school districts, including the three without policies, the average was 29%. So again, it's something, right? And we have now some data that we can work with. Yeah, it's a good start. And I think sometimes, you know, you need to know your baseline before you can make improvements. Absolutely. And when we shared this data with schools in the report itself, um, we just talk generally about where all of the districts fall as a whole, and then we break it up by county, but we don't name any particular school or school district and how they sort of rated or scored on this. But we did share that information with each district. So they received a copy of the scorecard with their particular school, as well as comparing to the other schools in their county and then both counties as a whole. So we thought it would be helpful for them and helpful for us as we move forward to know, you know, where they land in comparison to other districts in our counties. But we didn't want to sort of put that information out there for everyone because we know districts, well, we hope districts are doing their best around this and, you know, we want to support them in that. We're not looking to call anybody out on what they could be doing better or should be doing better in our eyes, but just want to say, here's where we're at. Yeah. And here's where we can go. And I think sometimes even knowing how you match up against other folks can be a really great motivator to want to make those improvements. So it sounds like it was a really smart way of laying it out that might give them that extra motivation to want to update their policy and make it as best as it can be. I think you're right with that for sure. Another thing is that, you know, in addition to the recommendations from the Pennsylvania Department of Ed, um, Futures Without Violence and Break the Cycle suggested some other ways that dating violence policies could go above and beyond. So considering things like, does the policy promote a positive school culture, which gets back to that idea of healthy relationships are the norm here. Um, does it use culturally competent language and response? And we know that not all students are the same and their responses to things are not gonna be the same. Their understanding of language is not gonna be the same. Also using clear and specific language so that the policy is understandable. Building strong collaborations and community connections, incorporating the needs of all student survivors and addressing trauma in all the 
policies around dating violence were things that other organizations recommended. Awesome. That all sounds really great. I feel like sometimes people, when they hear like, make the language clear and plain and simple, they, I hear people say like, oh, we're dumbing it down. But I always really like to reframe it to like, we're just making sure that everybody actually understands what's happening or else, like, what's the point of having it? Absolutely. And I know for myself, I sometimes I read a policy, whether it's on dating violence or anything, and I'm, you know, think about the policies, you know, for your phone agreements, right. you know, and it's just like, <laughs> I don't understand half of this. So we do want people to feel empowered and like they understand what the rights and responsibilities are. And that means everyone. So not just students, but their parents and guardians and community stakeholders and people who work in the school. It's best, it works best if everyone has the same understanding of what the policy means. Yeah, definitely. Great. So I guess if somebody wanted to try something like this on their own, how might you recommend that folks use your report for guidance? I hope people do use it for guidance. And so much information is publicly available if you know where to look. And there's many entry points into this kind of work if someone wanted to take it on. So for us, about 80%, you know, like I said, 13 of 16 of our districts had some sort of written dating violence policies. For other centers or community groups, um, the counties that they work with might have higher or lower percentages than that. Or maybe a center's already done some of this groundwork of looking at the state of their district's policies. So they might be starting from a different place or might be looking at a different model policy to do a comparison. So there's lots of entry points. Um, recommendations that we had for districts, and I think this can be true in any district, um, even outside of our county, is that, you know, if they have a written dating violence policy, they can review the recommendations made in this report um, and consider updating, reviewing, or developing a policy. Um, and they can consider, you know, things like ongoing training for their staff on the policy, for students and parents and guardians, their school board, and other relevant stakeholders. If a school district doesn't yet have a written dating violence policy, <clears throat> they can you know, read this report and consider developing one. As school districts develop their policies, you know, one thing that I think would be really amazing is to consider including students, parents and guardians, school staff, local organizations like our centers into the process. I would love for districts to think of all of those folks, including us who work at the, our centers, as resources and as people who have a stake in their dating violence policies. Absolutely. Policies can be so much more impactful when you're actually involving the people that it's going to impact, right? And getting to hear from students and parents about, hey, if this would happen, this is really what I, I would like to see or hope that it would play out this way. So that's a fantastic recommendation and really best practice um, in, in all of the prevention work that we do. That's right. You know, the, the other thing I would say is that the methods of reviewing policies that we develop, like the district scorecard, might, and I hope they would be helpful for other counties or centers who can just pull up their existing policies and review them using the same scales. I love um, when I don't have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> um, and we're really happy for folks to use what we developed. And I know you'll share a link for that. 
but there might be someone who has a different method that makes more sense to them or to their county, and that's great too. Um, I'd love to see more about the state of dating violence policies in other counties across the state so that we can see how Pennsylvania is doing as a whole and work together toward intervention, response, and prevention in both our areas and across the state. Awesome. It kind of sounds like if people do use the tool, you might want them to share their data with you if possible. I was just thinking about how cool it would be what you just said about being able to really track what what's happening across the whole Commonwealth. Yeah, I would love to see it. And I would also love if, you know, down the road, we could really um, have sort of a, a universal tool that we're using to look at um, policies across the state so that we can see, you know, where are we at as, as the state, as the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Awesome. Great. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us to talk about dating violence policies and the report you created. Um, like we've already mentioned, we'll be sure to link to the report and any of the other resources mentioned throughout the episode in the show notes. Thanks, Jackie, so much. All right, that's all the time we have today, but thank you all for listening to this episode of PA Centered. You can learn more about the work happening at the Women's Resource Center at www.wrc nepa.org. If you or a loved one needs help, a local sexual assault center is available 24-7. Call 1-888-772-7227 for more information or find your local center online at pcar.org. Together, we can end sexual violence. Any views or opinions expressed on PA Centered by staff or their guests are solely their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of PCAR or PCAR's funders.